For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. Here in the opening chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul begins to use the example of his own suffering to encourage Timothy, who has the same calling and destiny, to find courage to be faithful in a world that was hostile to Christ and the gospel. Let's pick up now in verse 8 with Pastor Ross and a message entitled, Don't Be Ashamed. Alrighty, let's get started. Welcome you back to your seats, grab your Bibles, make your way to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We have unfinished business there in the middle of chapter 1. We didn't finish it. We'll get to that today. We're going to ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, as we consider your God-breathed word that does not have its origin in any man but holy men of God who were carried along by the Holy Spirit wrote as you dictated to them. And therefore, Lord, we need your help to open the eyes of our hearts to understand, the ears to be able to hear the the sweet, wonderful, life-giving voice of the Holy Spirit who has a good word for us today. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Paul, the apostle, is on death row after an incredible 30-year ministry there, evangelizing, really, the then-known world, the Roman Empire. He was accused of turning the world upside down by his opponents. That's what they said of him there in Acts 17. But now he's on death row in his final days, Uh, He's about 62 years old. He's at a place called Mamertine Prison. And if you go to Rome, uh, you you can go to where they say Paul was incarcerated. Peter uh, spent some time there too as well. So a church was built on top of the site. And uh, this is the church. You know, Catholicism uh, came in to many uh, historical sites in the Bible and to consecrate them, built a church on the site so that we would have them. And so uh, as you get closer, you'd see the, uh, the building Mamertine Prison. Next slide, please. And then you could go in, and there's two chambers, uh, an upper chamber and a lower chamber. This is the lower chamber now. Next slide. Uh, This is where they say that Paul spent his last days. And a lot of people take their picture right here, leaning against and writing in some sort of notebook, because it's the only place in the cistern, really, it's a cistern below, where the water was kept, so it was pretty wet, and uh, like a pretty much a well, the bottom of a cistern uh, there, and uh, this is the place where they presume that the Apostle Paul wrote Second Timothy. The first letter to Timothy was uh, written when he was free about unfinished business left there at Ephesus and how to run the church. The second letter, though, was written here as an encouragement to Timothy to be found faithful even though guys like the Apostle Paul were being sentenced to death for their preaching of the gospel. It was back in the days of Nero. Nero has at this time already set Rome ablaze and blamed the Christians and so things have really heated up uh, quite literally there. Uh, Let me show you the, the top chamber The top chamber, and there are always shrines in these kind of places if you go to them, um, there's still the hole. And that's the hole that they lowered the people into to get to that cistern where Paul was incarcerated. Through that hole would come uh, supplies, food, uh, writing, correspondence could happen. You know, Paul was a Roman citizen. And even though he was in a place like Mamertine Prison, he still had uh, outstanding rights considering where he was kept. So he could have visitors and he could have things delivered to him as we will read 
in the letter. But, you know, as I looked at that hole, I was just quite amazed. From a dungeon of darkness that smelled a place of great despair, up from there comes the word of life. Second Timothy was born in the bowels of a nasty dungeon. Comes up, and I just imagine light beaming out of that hole. The man of God, like the Apostle Paul, suffering down there, able to, with great confidence and boldness and joy and peace, write off an encouragement to Timothy's, to you and to me, who are very much like Timothy. And so, in that sense, it's a great place to go, Second uh, Timothy, for encouragement. And so, as I was saying, thank you for that picture. First Timothy is uh, instruction on how the church should be run. Second Timothy is now how to manage your life to be found faithful. He's got one last shot at Timothy. And God in his genius has allowed Timothy to represent us all. I mean, here's a guy with a call of God on his life who seldom feels, feels very adequate 25 times in First Timothy and Second Timothy, 25 times in 10 chapters, Paul calls Timothy to courage, to confidence, to fan that flame into a fire, to not be afraid, to not be ashamed, to not back down, to not be de- let people despise him, to be assertive. 25 times, Timothy is a lot like you and me, a call of God, changed life, wants to honor God, but sometimes feels a little bit overwhelmed, not finding that boldness, that confidence. And so whenever you need a spiritual pep talk, or you know, if you ever you need a spiritual kick in the pants, if I could put it that way, you go to Second Timothy. Second Timothy is, is passionate. God is rooting for you, Timothy. Uh, he's given you everything you need to live this Christian life. And that's how God is. Listen, there's nothing that God has called or asked of you privately in your Christian life or publicly in a ministry that he's called you to do that he hasn't equipped you to do. With the call comes the enablement. Always 100%. How frustrating would that be (laughs) if God's expecting you to do something that you really can't do? But he makes sure that you have the power to do that. And that's really what the first chapter of first Timothy, uh, second Timothy rather is about. The one who is called you will enable you, Timothy. Keep that gift God gave you stoked up and burning bright in your heart. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear but he's given you power and love and self-control, all of the grace that you need to live your Christian life. That's the first half of the chapter. Now we're picking up, and we're going to finish because we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible. Uh, we're going to pick up here now. He's going to still encourage him because the theme of Second Timothy is, Timothy, with God's help, you can do this. That's the theme. So we're picking up with that theme, and here's how he's going to go about encouraging from this angle. He's going to talk about his own life, how he's suffering in that rotting prison there, and how he handles it. And he's hoping that by modeling how he's suffering with a biblical perspective and with God's grace, that it'll encourage Timothy, who's got pretty much the same calling, in pretty much the same destiny in a world that's hostile to Christians and you you are one you're pretty much going to follow in those footsteps and he's hoping that as he follows Paul's example he'll find the faith and courage that he needs here's what I want to do let's start at verse 8 we'll read down to the end of the chapter then we'll walk through it so Timothy don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life 
not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And here's where we're, we're headed, picking up now, verse 11. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet, I'm not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Now, what you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Oh, but may the Lord show mercy to the household of Anesphorus because he often refreshed me. He wasn't ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, When he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Oh, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Well, that's the reading for our text. And now we're going to walk through it. Verses 8 through 18 that we just read really are are saying to Timothy, he's inviting him to follow his example and and share in four areas uh, that will be helpful to Timothy. So let's look at the first one. Uh, He's inviting him to share with me in my suffering. Share with me in our (laughs) suffering, really. He's saying join with me, embrace our lot in life. This comes with the package plan. If you want to be saved, you're going to suffer. It's in God's plan that as we identify with Christ, who was rejected and suffer, we who follow him and pick up our crosses and deny self will experience that same kind of thing. So don't drag your heels. Don't get so surprised that these kinds of things are happening. You haven't done a thing wrong. You're doing everything right. And that's why You are suffering in this world. And so he says, share with me in my suffering. Now, can you imagine getting a correspondence from somebody on death row who's suffering, who says, join with me in suffering. You know, I don't know about you. I'd rather get like a postcard from Hawaii that says, hey. Um, we've been in Maui for 10 days. Why did you, you got some free time. Join with me. Join with me in a little vacation time and come out to Maui, you know. But God has clearly invited us, listen, to accept the suffering that comes our way as the result of our allegiance to Jesus and our loyalty to the gospel. It's clearly part of the call and part of his plan. Uh, here's a scripture. It's not anybody's favorite one, but Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 28 to 29. From his first imprisonment, different prison, different place, Rome, different time, he says to the Philippians, for it's been granted to you, the word gifted, granted, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you guys are going through the same struggle you saw I had, <laughs> he's in prison, and now here that I still have. Now, you guys are going through the same thing. You're being persecuted. Some of you are being hauled off to jail. Uh, you're losing your jobs and that thing. You see it happen to me, and guess what? It's happening to you. And by the way, it's part of the package. It's part of the plan. Get over it. It'll make it a lot easier to accept reality by facing the facts. Anyone who identifies with Jesus Christ, whose 
Words and life brought him a crucifixion. Must experience the same kind of rejection in this world because we're seeing the same stuff that our Savior did. And the things that he said were offensive then, they're offensive now. And he's entrusted those exact words to us in a culture that isn't very much different. And so he says, it's granted to you. It's part of the plan. But the cool thing about Paul is he says, I've taught you a lot about, thank you for that. He says, I've taught you a lot about Christian suffering. Now I want you to watch me. Watch me. He's the one who can say things like Philippians 4. I have that for you. Where he says an unbelievable uh, statement. Whatever you have learned, Timothy, all of you Timothys, anything you've received or heard from me, seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Follow me as I follow Christ. And as we uh, suffer, he's going to show through his example of joy and peace of mind and confidence and courage and not bitterness, not resentment, but sweet forgiveness. He's going to say, just watch me. Some people need the Bible to be expressed through your life because they're not going to be able to read the scriptures. And so Paul is going to be a living, breathing Bible and just say, watch me suffer. He's really saying, Timothy, listen, I I taught you how to live. Now I'm going to teach you how to die. Watch me. That's 2 Timothy. This is how you go to the guillotine with peace in your heart. He's going to say, embrace this. Uh, Here's the key, that holy life. So, yeah, that's the key. Here's your problem and mine, okay? It's not really a problem, but it's a problem uh, because it gets us into trouble and it gets us on death row and it gets us killed. Join with me, suffering for the gospel by the power of God, a pretty important phrase there, who has saved us, and here it is, called us to a holy life. This is the word that causes the problem. Holy means separated from. He's called you out of the world to stand with Jesus against sin, against the evil one, against the world. He's saying, take a stand with me. Jesus said this to Pontius Pilate. On the morning he was going to the cross, he said, I was born Pontius Pilate. I came into this world to testify to the truth and anyone on the side of truth listens to me. There it is. I heard truth. I I stepped over and I said, I'm with you. But I put my arm around a cross. A condemned man whipped and beaten and spat upon But I heard truth from him, and I'm like, I'm with you. And he goes, are you sure? (laughs) Because you'll have to continue to deny self, pick up this cross, and follow me. Here's the holy life. Just look at this. Hang out in John 15 if you need this. John 15. If the world hates you, Jesus speaking, could you guys just remember, it's not you. This has nothing to do with you. These aren't your words. This isn't uh, anything that comes from you. It hates me. I'm the problem. I'm in you. My message is in you. My words is in, are, is in you. <laughs> if you belong to the world, which you used to, but then I called you to a holy calling, come on out. Different music, different drummer, different values, different Lord, different life. If you belong to the world, they would love you. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I've chosen you, called you out of the world to be holy, separate from sin, separate from the world, and separated to God on the side of God's truth, which is very unpopular. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. You guys aren't an exception. You're not greater than I am. I got crucified, and you're wanting them to throw you a party? 
I, I, they spat on me. They ripped my clothes off. They nailed me to a cross for what I said and what I did. And you're supposedly my disciples with my spirit in you, saying the same things, doing the same things as I commanded you. Why would you think that it should go better for you than it did for me? He said, woe to you when men say all kinds of good things about you and applaud you because there's something wrong because you don't have what I had. That rubs them the wrong way. So what did, uh, what did, I don't know if I have, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they obeyed my teaching, did they? No. Well, they would have obeyed yours if they would have obeyed mine, but they're going to treat you pretty much the same way. And so verse 11 says, hey, this is my problem. I was appointed three things and I got those three things for you. He goes, here's my problem. God called me out. And he made me a herald. It just means preacher. Someone's always talking about Jesus. <laughs> uh, an apostle, uh, we don't have the office of apostle anymore, but it really means sent with a commission. And so missionaries and all of us are part of this in general uh, terms. A teacher, he was a pastor of many of those churches that he uh, started. He goes, and, and so back to the, the verse, oh, I'm sorry, back to Matthew 28. What I want you to see is the Great Commission. Paul's doing what Jesus told us all to do. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on, on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name, singular, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to, to teach, teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded you. That's why I'm on death row. He told me to do this, and I did it, and they're going to kill me like they killed him. Now, things are, have been good for us for a couple hundred years, but things are getting a little more difficult now. But that's the reason. Not because we're doing something bad to be ashamed of, as he's saying. But we are honoring God and our call. And that call comes to identify with a very unpopular God and a very unpopular gospel. And it's going to come at a cost to you, Timothy. And he he just wants to say it will be worth whatever it is that uh, you'll have to uh, deal with in the interim. All right. So... Back to the verse there. He says, this is why I'm in trouble. I'm suffering uh, for the gospel. And here's what I've been teaching. He's been teaching these kinds of things. And and tell me if you see why he's in trouble. Here's what the gospel teaches. That God is coming to judge the world. But there's a way to escape his wrath through Jesus. People must turn from their wicked ways and trust Jesus or be damned. That's Paul, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 through 8. That's hard to hear, right? So what else have you been saying, Paul? Let me tell you. <laughs> I've been teaching everyone that they're basically bad, sinful, and that the wages of sin is death. But there's a free gift of eternal life. Because God loves us so much, he made a way. Jesus died for us. But we are helpless and hopeless and lost without him. You saying I'm not a good person? (laughs) This is what I teach. I teach we must bow before Jesus and surrender our lives to him as Lord. That's a hard one. Here's Here's the last one. I've got a couple more. I've been teaching that Jesus is the only way to heaven. All other ways are false. And whoever rejects Jesus, as Jesus said, will go to hell. 2 Thessalonians 2.10. He said, Timothy, I'm a preacher, I'm an apostle, and I'm a teacher. And this is what I'm teaching. You've got 13 books to check it out in the New Testament. For that reason... They're going to kill me. And I'm suffering. 
And if you have this same message, you will suffer as well. Unless, of course, you change this message, cut and paste, and start taking out only the scriptures that the world will applaud you for and not wrinkle up their eyebrow and say, what? Then you will make your life a little bit easier, but you will make their life a bit more complicated because they won't know the gospel. I love what one writer summed up and then we'll move forward. He said, calling all Timothys. The nature of our call and the content of our message necessitates rejection by a world that finds God's truths offensive, threatening, and insulting. Since this is the message and it will not change, and the nature of the world will not change, you must expect the pushback that ultimately uh, any suffering that comes your way, uh, you must expect the pushback and ultimately any suffering that comes your way as the result of you shining the light in a dark place. Paul is the one who forever, through the Holy Spirit, has written in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, a very clear statement of what God thinks about homosexuality. Romans 1, let's repeat, Romans 1. Hello. (laughs) Hey, there are no police here yet. All right. (laughs) Romans 1. 26. 27. Romans 1. 26. 27. One more time. Romans 1. What? That's the job. <laughs> Romans 1. 26. 27. You have no excuse to ever again say, that's not my place to say. Or, I really don't know. Because now you know and you're accountable. And you must make a choice. I either stand with the gospel and suffer or I will change the verses. I will excuse the verses. I will go around the verses. I will reinterpret the verses so that I don't have to suffer. That I can be applauded. People can say, oh, so loving and accepting. I am bound by these words. And whatever God says, I have to say it. I can say it with love and great sensitivity. But let me add this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 mentions the same lifestyle and says, but you can be changed. You can be healed. You can be washed. And you can have a new life and you can limp along with your struggle in the right direction. Calling it for what it is, Sin but you being a new creation. You come as you are, as thousands have, from not just that lifestyle, but by so many lifestyles that are besetting. Why are you bringing it up? (laughs) Because you have to face it and hear it every single day. And who is going to, supposed to arm you with something to say, how am I supposed to react? Oh, I'm feeling a lot of pressure here. Who's going to equip you? Your pastor who teaches the Bible. I have to address what I see happening in the world. Amen? Amen. Stand your ground. It's going to cost you. He said, Romans is Paul. I'm a herald. I'm an apostle. I'm a teacher. And I wrote things that have gotten me killed. He says, share with me. It's your calling too. It's not just my privilege. <laughs> oh, spread the joy around. <laughs> All right. So moving around on that happy note, let's go to verse 12. You have it here in front of you. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet, you know what? I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard that which I've entrusted to him for that day. 
Now, that's a hard one to say because I learned it in, in a different version. You know, do you remember the song we used to sing to? Uh, I know who I have believed in and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I've never done that in my whole life. <laughs> 35 years. A first for readers and a first for read, lead in the choir. I like that song. Now, here's what he's saying. You know what? <laughs> you look at me and you, you see what I'm dressed in. You know, I don't know what they dressed him in, but it wasn't pretty and it didn't smell good down there. Okay, he says, I'm clothed in shameful, dirty prison garments. I'm surrounded by murderers and thieves who have committed shameful and lawless deeds. I'm chained I'm incarcerated in a shameful place. I've certainly been treated shamefully with scorn and disdain. My name has been drugged through the mud. I've been uh, spoken of by my opponents in shameful ways. But guess what? I am not ashamed of my life, my ministry, my teaching. I'm not ashamed. And the reason I'm not ashamed, Timothy is applicable to you as it is to me. And here's the paraphrase of this. I know the character, I know the power, and I know the love of the one in whom I believe. And despite my suffering, I've done the right thing. I've entrusted my soul to the God who's quite capable of protecting me through death and bringing me safely into his kingdom from today until I see him face to face. Now notice that in your text, Paul doesn't say, you know what, I'm pretty confident, I'm not ashamed, because I know what I've believed. As important as right orthodoxy, as we call it, uh, right theology, right doctrine, teaching, as important as that is, that's not really what gives him the confidence. He's saying, uh, you know why I'm not ashamed and why I can be bold? Because it's a person. I know the person of Jesus Christ our Lord who is God in a body. I've met him. I know him. I've had an exchange personally with him. It's not about, I'm not dying for a set of principles. I'm on death row and I'm unashamed and bold because I know the person of Jesus Christ. He spoke my name Acts chapter 9, on my way with anger and maliciousness. I was going to wreak havoc on Christians in Damascus, and he stops me, and I hear God speaking my name in my mother tongue, Saul, Saul. It's like, what? I see a light, and I see him. I see nail-scarred hands that turn me from my life of destruction and changed me and filled me with the Holy Spirit and up came this new guy and I've changed my name, Paul. A lover of God, a lover of truth, a lover of Christians. He's been with me ever since. He talks to me. He guides me, shows up when I need him. He bails me out of trouble. He's been faithful for 30 plus years. I know this person. He is God and he is able because I've got experience with him. It's just not like a religion. It's not somebody else's gospel. It's the Lord Jesus Christ said those nail scarred hands. To entrust something there, that word entrust means to hand something over that's very um, important, like a document, a deed, a will, money, or valuables, to entrust that to somebody's care for safekeeping. And he says, I've entrusted my most precious cargo, my soul, my hopes, my dreams, the, the, the being that I am. I've entrusted the true me into his nail-scarred hands. And that I am 
100% positive that my precious life will be preserved today in the dungeon, tomorrow in the execution chamber, and the next day in his wonderful embrace. He says, he will keep me protected. He will carry me all the way through until I see him on that day. No Christian has to go, well, what day is that? Because it's, a day. it's that day. It's, it's that day. We all had a day we were bored. Big deal. You know, we all, sorry. That's a big deal. Uh, we all had a day we graduated from school. We all had a day when we got that great job. And we all had a day when we met the, the person we were going to share our lives with. We all had that great day, that wedding day, right? But Paul's talking about that day. When you step out of your body and see the God who created you with your own eyes, you'll be able to reach out and touch the face of the one who made you, and not just you, but spoke and the universe leapt into existence. Genesis chapter 1, I think, is verse 5. It says, oh, and by the way, he made the stars. What? (laughs) One verse. Like, see, it's going to take you a while to get thrilled with it, I see, (laughs) by your reaction. And he made the stars. Have you gazed up there? And he made the stars? How do you do that? I couldn't make a pebble. How do you make stars? He just said stars. I'm going to see him talk to him he's going to say Ross he's going to say Barb he's going to say Jan he's going to say Timothy 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 does I know him oh I'm going to make it he doesn't lose things given to him amen Amen. (laughs) there are a lot of elbows there like yeah he doesn't lose things like you guys like losing your glasses. And then he goes on, 13 and 14. So that was share with me in suffering, share with me in confidence. I'm sorry for not giving you that point. I do that sometimes. Share with me in confidence was point two. And now point three, let me read it first. What you've heard from me, Timothy, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Wow. So, uh, number three, share with me in guarding the gospel. Share with me in guarding the gospel. So, check this out. He's saying, even though what you're doing is the source of your pain, right? So, the temptation will be that when you're doing something that's causing you some discomfort or pain or loss or threat or trouble, uh, the temptation is what? To stop doing it but Timothy says actually you're called to do it you're supposed to do it and it is supposed to bring you trouble but guess what you have to keep doing it you have to keep doing it what you've heard from me the gospel keep as a pattern this word pattern means an architectural print it's the blueprint keep the the, the 13 books that you have from me That's the blueprint of the gospel. Don't stray from there. Just line everything up and you'll be fine. Whatever you've seen, keep going. Sound teaching means in the Greek, healthy words. Keep on with the healthy words. I really like that. Sound doctrine, sound teaching, it's healthy words because uh, the word of God benefits us. Listen to what healthy words do. They heal our hearts and set our spirits free. They bring people into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Healthy words keep people safe from spiritual deception and error. They equip Christians to live effectively and productively. Healthy words strengthen marriages. They increase our faith. They comfort our hearts. Healthy words keep us from sinning and being spiritually deceived. Healthy words teach us how to enjoy God's blessing and his peace and his joy. Now, 
Not like the other guys, Timothy, who have left this and their unhealthy words. Unhealthy words cannot save you. Amended gospels cannot set your heart free. You cannot change it. It's a big movement to change it and make it more acceptable. But he says, keep it healthy because we need healthy. And he says, it's not just about rigid orthodoxy, but it's with faith and love. In other words, it's not just that you have right theology. Oh, I got all my theology lined up. He says, so did the Pharisees and they are going to perish because they didn't have faith, personal trust in God, walking with him, loving God and loving his people. You got to combine right theology with right living or you don't have anything, right? So he says, continue. And then he says, guard the good deposit. The good deposit is the gospel. You've been entrusted. You have been entrusted with John 3.16 and its accoutrements. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever simply trusts in him, believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, guard that truth. Guard it with, it's entrusted to you. He's, God is banking on you. He gave you something precious, and he said, take care of it. Guard it. Don't let someone, if he says guard it, He's implying that it can be taken away or damaged or it could suffer loss. Or why would he say you've got to guard it? Guard this. Well, why? Because somebody's coming for it. Yeah, somebody's coming for it. The world, the devil, it's coming. They're coming for it. And he says, do it with the help of the Holy Spirit who is like a guard inside of you. I love that, and it made me think of something, um, reminded me of something that my mom used to talk about. My mom and dad in the 50s, they uh, raised, bred, and showed Dobermans. And this was before the kids came. And my parents had the top champion Dobermans in the nation. And uh, there is a beautiful picture of a dog called Storm. And he's on a, uh, on a runway, a tarmac of an a- airport. And he's doing that thing like a statue. And you're just, is that real? Is that a real dog? You know? And, and the thing about this guard dog <laughs> was my mom would tell the stories, say, that dog loved me and guarded me. That if so much as anyone in the house raised their voice toward my direction, the dog would go <laughs> into guard dog vicious mode. Like looking at me, my mom speaking, and just say, just give me the word and I will shred them to pieces. <laughs> My mom, now, whoever raised their voice in the house, like my dad, if my dad raised his voice, the dog would look at him like, you better watch it. <laughs> so I know a lot of ladies after first service said, where could I get me one of those dogs? <laughs> when someone ring the doorbell, it'd sit, <laughs> right by my mom's side, and look up at her, glued, eyes gazed. Just tell me what you need. You have a frenzied, fierce, divine Doberman that lives within you. <laughs> that when he smells anything that will come your way to threaten the good deposit of the gospel, red flag, He says, he's there to protect you, to guard you, to give you the wisdom, the discernment, the understanding. How many times have I had Christians come to me and say, hey, somebody was talking to me and I just just, just had a weird feeling. I don't even know why. All the words were right, but something smelled wrong. He's in us, God to protect us, to say, heads up, 
You will always have a nose for truth and you will always have a nose for error. First John chapter two, John says, you guys really seriously don't even need a teacher because you have the Holy Spirit. You have his anointing. That just means the Holy Spirit has covered you and has showed you truth. I remember when Pastor Adam, he, he got saved here, what, nine years ago? And uh, he'd asked me this question, a theological question, and I'd answer him, and he goes, I knew that. And then again, I knew that. And he goes, hey, I, I never studied this thing, but I, as you were saying it, I knew it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He's there to protect us and to guide us. He just says, take advantage of him. Let him guard you. Let him guard it. You know, the second something comes your way, you know you got the Holy Spirit in there. (laughs) (laughs) Can I give you one more example? Come on. You know you want me to. When Jordan was five years old, we lived in Japan. And I just brought this up, and that's why I'm sharing it, because it's very amazing to me. We had a ministry there to the Mormon missionaries, but actually I was there teaching English in a, in a, in a Christian school that had non-Christian students, and so that was my ministry for four years, our ministry. But we had a lot of Mormon missionaries come to our door, and we befriended them. And one day... They wanted to show a video of Jesus on the cross with some music and that. They went to put it in. I said, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to let you do that, and then you're going to listen to me, right? And I am locking the doors. (laughs) The kids are there. Jordan's five. They plug it in, and there's beautiful music and Jesus the face of, you know, the Mormon Jesus? He's very attractive. (laughs) Uh, Jordan came unglued. Dad, daddy, no, daddy, no. No, this is bad, daddy, no. I was amazed. I'm looking, Jordan's Jesus and it's beautiful music. Daddy, no, daddy, no. And I said, sorry, guys, daddy, no. How did she know that? How'd she know? She's five. It's a picture of Jesus. We've been talking about Jesus for five years with her. She has the Holy Spirit. And the Doberman was growling. <laughs> Let's finish up. We'll be done. A couple of verses here. 15. A couple examples now of men who didn't cooperate with the guard dog. Fifteen. One who did, two who did not, one who did. Fifteen. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now may the Lord show mercy to the household of Anisphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well, Timothy, in how many ways back in the day he helped me there in Ephesus. All right, so if you're taking notes, it's always good for me since I leave them out sometimes. Share with me in suffering, we have a call. Share with me in confidence, we have a promise. Uh, Share with me in guarding the gospel, we have a helper. Now share with me in loyalty, We have a need for one another. Now, two examples, Timothy. Timothy knows these two guys, and perhaps three. Uh, You've seen it go two ways, cowardice and courage. Timothy, you get a choice, always. Cowardice or courage. You're facing that today, Timothy. You're facing that today. You'll face it tomorrow. And he's going to say, 
Here's what the first one looks like, cowardice. So he says, now, as you know, Timothy, we've lost some friends and coworkers. Um, The pressure was too much for them, I guess. The fire got too hot. Everyone in Asia has deserted me, including, name time, Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, let me show you a picture of what he means by Asia, because when we say Asia, we mean the whole continent. When the Bible says Asia, it means that western half of Turkey. This is all Turkey, where early Christianity started. And uh, he was in Asia... Troas, chapter 4, will tell us when he got arrested, rearrested, and shipped to Rome. He says, not one of them came with me. As a Roman citizen, he could have people to defend him, to write letters for him, to stand with him, to fight for him, to give him provision. He said, everyone on the team, this is, Ephesus is where Paul stayed the most out of all the New Testament churches. Three years He had a lot of Christian co-workers on the team. And he said, where are they? The apostle Paul, who laid down his life and risked his life on so many occasions for all of them and all of those churches, didn't even take take a salary. He said, I can, but I'm not going to. That's how much he loved them. And then when the chips are down and he needs them, he says, you could hear it in his voice. Do you know everybody on the team left me high and dry? You could go back to the verses. Thank you. Deserted me. The word is to abandon. Whether they abandoned the gospel as well, it seems like they may have, but they certainly left Paul high and dry. Just so sad. Uh, There are no reasons why. You want to ask why. The Holy Spirit thinks their side of the story is irrelevant. We don't need to hear from them. We don't need to hear why. Oh, believe me, if you had them right here, Phygelus would tell you. Hi, let me tell you why. We're not interested, Phygelus. We're interested. You know what's relevant is, is the pain you caused this man of God. This man of God, God was counting on somebody. And you just left you. It's really amazing. Let me tell you why I cheated. Sir, (laughs) we don't care why. Let me tell you the pain and suffering that you cause because of your bad decision. If I jealous, we don't know why. Because the Holy Spirit says you don't want, it's irrelevant. Let's just look at that man who gave his life. He's a hero. He's the hero. And you guys left him high and dry. How would you like to have one sentence sum up your life in the word of God? Now, if you would have told maybe five years before, three years before, you sat by jealous and and. Hermogenes down and he said, listen guys, I'm going to give you a heads up. In five years from now, based on your behavior, you're going to get named in the word of God. That lasts forever and ever and ever. It's the word of God. And you're only going to get one sentence and it's either going to say faithful or deserter. And it's all going to be based on... Things are going to heat up and a man of God is really going to need you. And there will be some personal cost involved, probably. But that, that's what's happening. I think you'd be reading something else. I think they would want you to read. And then Phygelus and Hermogenes, man, they laid it on the line. They came with me. They were there for me. They encouraged me. Could it, you could have read that. You know what I like? I like living vicariously like that. And so I start thinking, how do, how do I want Jesus to read back the story of my life? Now, I've made some mistakes, so have you. But it's nice to say, I've got this afternoon and every day that God gives me to, with the end in sight, the assessment is going to be made. I still can, can change and amend 
that assessment that's going to come from his lips because today's going to count. So I got all today, no matter what I did yesterday, I got all today to, to change the words that are going to come out of Jesus' mouth because I'm going to live with the perspective of I want to do well on that day. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's up to you. You can write the story. Write the story. Write the story you want him to tell you. You can. Uh, they did not. So now they're branded forever. I hope they, you know, knew the Lord as unfaithful. Now, uh, contrasted with those two bad boys, you've got this Anisiphorus. It's kind of a hard name to say. He's the positive example. And guess what his name means? I love how God can do this. He'll tell the parents, hey, name him Anisiphorus because he's going to be a help giver. That's his name, help giver. Wow. And so here's somebody who did hold on to healthy words, and here's somebody who guarded the gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit living in him. And it looks like he's just up to his old tricks. I mean, he was faithful back in Ephesus. He says, look, in the last one, uh, and you know how helpful he was to me back in the day when I was free. You know, that's the deal, listen, about developing habits now because they carry you with momentum all the way through. And then since you've been developing those habits of serving and when it, when it costs you a little bit, when, it, when that day comes when there's a big cost, you've, you're ready for it. You see, he, he was already a servant. And it, it was just kind of snowballed. And then when he needed to really step up, you know what? He was just who he was, you know, and he stepped up. But here's what I love about it. He traveled 800 miles from Ephesus to Rome. And apparently it was hard to find him. He went from prison to prison to prison. And you know, you know, oh, you're a Christian, you're his friend, the guy's going to die. He went that way. <laughs> All right? They weren't very helpful. But he said he had trouble finding me at his own expense. I'm rotting. I'm alone. I'm listening to the drip driving me insane. There's a terrible smell in here. I, I know death is waiting every time I hear the door open. This is it. And I'm all alone and my heart is broken. My two buddies gone. He's not a robot. He's not a robot. He has feelings. They said Fight Jealous was a friend. And one day he hears a little squeaking up there. They pull that grate open a little bit and he hears, Paul, it's Onesphorus. Hey, it's me. Life. Life. Might as well have thrown a, a lifeline down to a drowning man. We love you. We're praying for you. The churches are praying for you. I know a lot of guys, they've ran off. But listen, hey, do you need anything? He's allowed. He, he could bring him fresh fruit from the market. He's going to be able to bring some other things. Timothy's going to bring him some things. But listen what, the word refresh there means in the Greek to cool off from the effects of heat. To have sunstroke and then to relieve that, to soothe. He said, he refreshed me. He wasn't ashamed of me like those two guys and like others. He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid of dying for me. But when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me. He refreshed me often. He said, I have no words to describe what that man did for me at that moment. But, and I'm in no place to be able to pay him back. But dear God in heaven, would you remember him and his whole family for what he's done for me. You know what I like about Onesiphorus? We can be him. 
we can find somebody on the fringe who's been abandoned, who lives in a quiet world of desperation. And folks, let me just assure you that they are here. There are people here who are hurting, who feel like they're hanging on by a thread. The gospel attracts people in pain. And sometimes the more pain and the more desperate you are, the more you're around the altar because <laughs> you're in need. Who can you show up and move the grade and just say, hey, <laughs> you're not alone. I'm here. What do you need? Let's pray together. And I'm sure he was quoting down scriptures, you know, that Paul wrote. <laughs> hey, remember the time you wrote in Philippians chapter 4? I have no anxiety about anything. I, remember, I memorized it. <laughs> but in everything, Paul, by prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your mind and your heart in Christ. Thank you. Thank you. So he's, this is what he's saying. Timothy, Phygelus and Hermogenes or Onesiphorus. He's asking Timothy, choose disloyalty and caving in or courage, counting the cost, nobility, honor. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now that you would knit the truths of this beautiful word into our souls, this text that is outstanding and loaded with emotion and passion and truth. Lord, help us. It's tough to change, but we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Help us to, to learn how to work with him better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.